Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Block Nutters. It is Friday, December the 16th, 2022. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Buck Nuts Morning 5 and Change. You definitely know that by now because Dave is still on vacation. This is the end of our long, long week together here. Dave will be National back on when the bells on. As you, can, as you can see, Steve Hellwagon is here checking in and place of Jay Book. I don't have the facilities Dave has to have West Coast guests on here. That requires a much larger budget that Dave has and I but we're able to get Steve on deck before he heads to the airport head to the Big Apple as the Buckeyes are headed to face I thought a lot better North Carolina basketball team. Uh, we let's start with that. This was a team that went to the national championship and lost to Kansas, brought everybody back. I believe they replaced the guy who looked like Larry, a uh, poor man's Larry Bird with Larry Nance's son, Pete Nance, the Northwestern transfer, and it has not gone as expected. What are you expecting to see this weekend as we start a show with basketball for the first time in eons? Yeah, they were uh, preseason number one, but then they went through a four-game losing streak, and some of that coincided with that uh, trip out to Oregon for the PK Invitational out there. I <clears throat> had D- DVR'd one game for that tournament, and I had a little bit of bleed overlap with a four-overtime game that they played with Alabama, which was um, – uh, a really weird game, I have to say. It just went on and on and on. Uh, I like North Carolina. I think their first five could play with just about anybody, but they're not getting many contributions at all off of their bench. And then when you add in the fact that Armando Baycott, who could be an All-American at center, has been in and out of the lineup, uh, that kind of explains how they've struggled. But they kind of got back on top of it uh, this past week. I think they uh, – 
routed uh, Georgia Tech uh, this past weekend. They beat the Citadel on Tuesday night. So they've now won two games in a row going into New York. So they're starting to get their mojo back for Hubert Davis. People will remember him. He played there for uh, uh, the Dean, Dean Smith many, many years ago. And then NBA guy, ESPN guy and then sat on the bench beside Roy Williams for a few years before taking over for Roy as the head coach last year and went all the way to the national championship game in his first year. So uh, they got a really good team, but Ohio State is also going to be rested up, nine-day respite since their last game when uh, Tanner Holden threw in that long three to beat Rutgers. And so, you know, when you look at it, going to be a matchup, two teams that are playing good ball right now, it seems like. And there's, there's nothing like Madison Square Garden for a basketball game. I would think uh, Manhattan has plenty of alumni from Columbus and from Chapel Hill. So that should be a spirited event. Three o'clock. I imagine the crowd will be quite lubricated for that game. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be neat. close to sold out. It's also a Kentucky-UCLA oh, yeah. game after that. So a great doubleheader of hoops and uh, – Man, what a day of college basketball, too. Indiana, Kansas is tomorrow. Uh, there's some other great matchups uh, tomorrow as well. So uh, a full day of college football bowl games with the Silver Fox, Kerry Combs leading uh, Cincinnati against Louisville at Fenway Park. That'll be one to watch and some other games mm-hmm. throughout the day as well. <clears throat> All right, let's switch to our – other specialty which is football and we asked the front row for questions why because it's friday and i have no questions left uh obviously get the latest on all of the recruiting greatness of week ohio state added a quarterback for 2023 and the number one wide receiver in 2024 um if you're one of those buckeyes who's feeling particularly gloomy about the outlook for the program go start reading about 2024 recruiting They already have the number one player in the country who's a quarterback. They already have the number two player in the country who's a wide receiver. And if you look at the top 10, I think there are two other guys they're going to get. And 2024 should be a return to the top of the recruiting rankings. So for those of you that need the uh, right into your bloodstream greatness, where you go for it. We will go to some questions right here. This is going to go back to mostly Georgia chatter and how Ohio State will be prepared or not. Spin Doctor got in there first. Shocker. Uh, There's some reference to the history of life. And then it's Ohio State, if they have success, will it be early success with the receivers, the running game, tight press? What do you think is a new wrinkle possibly that could come from either the offense or the defense past new wrinkle time? Yeah. I uh, I am a firm believer that you have to uh, watch what this team has done in past games and, and try and take advantage of that. That's exactly what Michigan did against Ohio State. They saw that Maryland had tremendous success throwing the ball downfield because Ohio State's pass rush. It all comes back to that for me, Dan, is that the pass rush mm-hmm. needs to get home, and they weren't able to really do that against uh, Tylea Tagovailoa. And so Michigan saw if we just protect, uh, you know, guys are going to be running open. And uh, that's what they took advantage of. I know that Joel Klatt did an analysis and said that some of it 
had to do with Ohio State's stubbornness to try and stop the run against Michigan and you know, so be it with that. But uh, I think that uh, Maryland uh, showed something to other teams that are, that 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 could be exploited against Ohio State. So in the same vein, I look at it that Ohio State has to watch the LSU tape and see that LSU threw for 500 yards, including over mm-hmm. 200 of it with the backup quarterback, and know that uh, there's going to be some guys running open in the secondary, and you just got to protect and make, you know, hit, pitch and catch to me is what it becomes. And I don't know that you really need to to have new wrinkles or anything else. I think you just got to be the best version of yourself that you can possibly be to win this game. Be solid. Play a solid, fundamental football game. You're not going to trick anybody, you know, in week 14 or whatever, you know, with this or that or, you know, some, you know, I think that you have to stick to fundamental football. I think you have to execute. I think that was what was sorely lacking, I thought, for Ohio State against Michigan. Michigan has a great defense, obviously, and they took some things away from C.J. Stroud. I think that in this game, it's going to be more of a case where he's going to have the opportunity to make some plays, and he's got to go make them. And when it's third down, you got to convert it. And they didn't do a great job of that against Michigan. They struggled. So, to me – you know, we got to interview Cade Stover the other day, and doggone, if if he wasn't in position to make two of the big plays in that game, which was the fourth down play down the scene, but he was also he was also covered on that play. There was a defender right near him, and the only place where CJ could put the ball was out in front of him, and he let him just a little too much. And then the play in the end zone, the ball maybe hung up in the air just a split second too long, and the the defender was able to recover and bat it away, <clears throat> knock it out of Stover's grasp along the side there. And, you know, people say, oh, he's got to come down with that. Well, you know, give their guy credit too. He made a great play on the ball and it just, it, the timing just wasn't perfect. So yeah. perfect what you do and execute it and you'll be just fine. You're good enough. You don't need gimmicks. You don't Agreed. need, you don't need all this fancy scheme and everything. Just execute what you do. Be who you are, and it should be good enough to keep you in this game for the whole four quarters. You know, when you started answering that, the play that comes into my mind was the fourth down. It might have been fourth and one, two, when they threw that to Stover, too. It was an aggressive, off-your-fingertips play. It's like they got to make that play in this game. You, yes. Don't over. I, I think that we have overcomplicated and kind of fell into a rut with the Michigan evaluation, thinking it was what it was two years ago. I honestly believe this. And yes, you are watching a show called The Buck Nuts Morning Five. So I, I feel free to be a little bit biased. But if they had hit the plays in the first half, I think they would, would have been up several touchdowns. I think Maryland, I think Michigan would have panicked a little bit. I think it would have been the game plan they thought. But it just didn't materialize, and you have to make the plays early. You can't fall behind Georgia by two scores, you know, with two minutes left to go in the first quarter and expect to stick to your – be ahead of the chains. Uh, we did the basketball. This was a really good question, and it came from Farisa J or whatever. I'd like to get Steve's reaction – on Ryan Day and how he answered Steve's question about the use or lack thereof of Dallin Hayden in the loss. In Day's comment, he didn't fit into the offensive flow, seemed uh, awfully lame, especially 
in the second half or the fact that we gave 15 carries to a third string linebacker instead. Now that has written tongue placed in cheek, obviously, yeah. but uh, this that's among the more lame responses I've heard from him since here. Um, it makes no sense. And it's an aversion. Now I got no problem with the football coach diverting the media. Uh, I've been in the media long enough to know that's their gig. Still, that was pretty lame. And, uh, I'd like to answer what you thought of the whole thing, given you were in the uh, Eagle's eye right there. Yeah, uh, that was a question that didn't get, get answered after the game. It was a question that didn't get answered on bowl announcement day. So this was the third yeah. crack at Ryan Day since that game had been played. And uh, to me, this was one of the lingering questions that was out there. I think we covered a lot of the rest of it in the previous Absolutely. two uh press events and I know that fans are eager to get questions answered and are hoping you know that the coach will take truth serum and and tell you what uh, they were really thinking in the inner sanctum well they never rarely ever do that anyway so uh but yeah his answer to me um just he put it off on Tony Alford and then as Bill Landis redirected it later asked him you know really he wasn't in the flow and and coach had to kind of say, well, it also had to do something with pass protection as well. And, you know, we we analyze this thing so much, but it kind of comes down to this. You played a guy, Chip Trianum, who is, you know, trained for the last year to be a linebacker, probably put on some extra weight, doesn't have the burst that maybe he showed as a running back when he was at Arizona State and didn't show any burst at all against Michigan. And he did fine. And everyone, you know, they didn't lose the game because of Chip Trianum. They didn't lose the game because they didn't play Dallin Hayden. This is just one thing out of 20 that went against them or didn't work out for them uh, to me. I think they would have had a better chance of winning the game had they played Dallin Hayden. That's my personal belief. That seems to be the belief of a lot of our posters as well, because a guy had run back-to-back games for 100 yards in the two previous weeks, Indiana and Maryland, and did it in the second half against Maryland. His first carry against Maryland didn't come until right before halftime so because they were scared to death to put him in a tight game. I don't know what the aversion is, you know, Urban Meyer years ago, they're not freshmen anymore, you know, by the end of the of the year. Well, that was nine or ten games, you know. So he's not a not a true freshman anymore. He's part of the team. He's he's your number three running back. When your first two aren't available, it's natural that you go to this guy. And the one play I come back to, they blocked it as wide as the room I'm sitting in, about 15 feet wide. They blocked the hole. Chip Trianum went through there and ran into one of the blockers. They just Got their steps screwed up, whatever, and and he went down. Chip Trionum had been playing linebacker all season. He had been roughing running back, hadn't played in a game at running back. I think Dallin Hayden in that situation is 60 yards down the field gone. Just me. Just me. Just saying. Symbolically, though. Symbolically, to play a guy who hadn't played. Yeah. Maybe it just changes the complexion. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So you finished drives, I think, with Dallin Hayden. You didn't finish drives with Chip Trionum. Hey, you lost the game, so you're open to second-guessing, and I think that's one area, definitely. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. 
there's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I think there was a, directly after the game, I'm like, this is my, my opinion, and I'll, and I'll get this. I think the absolute key to the game, and the offense, and really this whole surge since Urban came here is the ability to get quality first down. So that in town you are uh, making the defense guess. And when Ryan Day has the defense guessing with the arsenal he has, you're dead. He also said right after the game, I'm sure there were a couple runs out there mine would have liked to have back. Notice Blake Corum didn't get those runs for them. They gave him a couple and got him out of there and got the guy in there who could get the yard. So, who were yeah. who were appeasing here, but you can't. They waited can't way approach. too long the week before with Henderson. They waited way too long that week with Williams. I mean, it was obvious to anybody watching the game that neither of those guys had it, and yet it right. took them almost a full half to pull him out. And Hayden, let's say this: he hasn't struggled. It's not like they put him in there and it was like, oh, he looks overwhelmed, or oh, I remember this one specific pass play where CJ got blown up because he missed a block. We would know that. Listen, we're nerds. We would have been complaining about that already. That's what people don't grasp. Like, we got a lot of nerds on here. We got Mark Porter breaking down the film. If Dallin Hayden really was that big of a liability locker, we would have known. So, all right, that's the last I will talk about Dallin Hayden. Until Coach promises he'll be part uh, of the bowl plan. He, he'll be he'll be part of the bowl plan. So that's good. Yep, we hope. Uh, question from Nutsa. Who does OSU end up signing out of the transfer portal? Very hard to know this. They have two guys on campus. Uh, this is Johnny Cornelius and Jeremiah Byers, offensive lineman. Uh, do expect them to go in the portal for a corner. I don't think we're going to get any real information on this until after the game. If you notice, everything's kind of dry docked when it comes to the teams that are in the playoff. If you could map it out specifically to what you wanted. To, to add, what would you do? I would add two offensive linemen because you could lose as many as three because I think Matthew Jones is also a possibility that maybe he just decides I'm ready to, to go try and play NFL football. I think Dewan Jones and Paris Johnson are definitely gone. I think Luke Whipler may even consider if he has a good game against Jalen Carter, which kind of a quasi big if there because that guy's supposed to be the best player, you know, best defensive lineman in football. But uh, so we'll see. Uh, I would say two offensive linemen. I think a difference making defensive end if there's one out there that uh, can come right in because you're losing Zach Harrison, you know, who who's going to fill in in that rotation. Javante Jean-Baptiste has also played some. He's gone. 
So, you know, you need an impact defensive end who can, who can you know, mix things up and, and, and help you. And I think certainly in the secondary, maybe a corner and a safety both, uh, you know, because you're losing Cam Brown. You do have some good promising young guys, J.K. Johnson, Jordan Hancock, Jair Brown, who've all repped, uh, Denzel Burke coming, coming back. You're losing at least two of the safeties with McAllister and uh, Ronnie Hickman. Lathan Ransom is kind of up in the air right now, whether or not he'll be back. Uh, I would think maybe he would come back. But, uh, yeah, so I, I, that's my, my, my wish list. If I had to say transfer portal, what do you need? Uh, where, where can you find help? And that's provided that all the running backs come back. If Mayan Williams does come back, if Trayvon Henderson, I presume, is coming back. If they all come back, then, then you're probably okay at running back for now. But uh, I think uh, definitely maybe two on the offensive line, uh, one defensive end, and maybe two in the secondary. You know, if you get three, four, five, you know, like that, I'd be happy. Yeah, I think my number one choice would be the kid out of Virginia, the defensive back. If you could just plop in a, a number one corner who could kind of go in there and at least battle, that's a big one, man. I mean, that really, in terms of continuity and chemistry and stuff like that, that guy's kind of on his own out there anyway. So just putting him in a corner in there would be, that would think, I think that would be my number one choice. Very hard to develop someone like that. I don't see one on the roster. That's another thing, by the way. Whoops. Will Josh yeah. Mickens commit by the early signing period? I'll handle this. The answer is yes. And um, we will have a scouting report on him from Mark Porter earlier this morning that you will want to watch. This is a guy with some serious juice on the edge. I don't think he's a step in and go guy because he's not big enough. But long term, this is the guy previously committed to LSU out of the Midwest that you want. I don't think we're going to ha- tackle NIL today. That's been done. Uh, okay, we will finish with this. Steve, what are your thoughts on the new NCAA president and what is his first order of business? His first order of business to me, uh, Dan, is building consensus and getting people uh, to work together for the common good. And people say, oh, it's the NCAA's fault. It's never the NCAA's fault. Get away from that whole idea. It's the schools, it's the presidents, it's the athletic directors, and it's the conference commissioners. These are the people who control NCAA legislation. The Power Five has autonomy to do whatever they want. They've, they've gained control from the NCAA governing governance control. They can enact any rules, any statute that they want to put in about NIL, the transfer portal, playing rules, eligibility rules, red shirting, any, anything that, that you think is an issue, paying the players. I think that there's got to be some type of revenue model in the Power Five at the least, and particularly with the lucrative money that's going to come out of an of a enlarged playoff. You've got to start paying the players in some way or fashion. And I'm not talking NIL. I'm talking the college 
and the conferences, the the governing body, the playoff, whoever has got to start having some revenue sharing, I think, with the athletes, because that's just the, the, the fairest way that you can increase the number of games that you're going to play in a season and not give these guys anything that you know, it's become a television show and that that these guys are just props on the set, basically, that can be moved from Arizona to Indianapolis to New York to California to play these games. It's it, the whole thing's ridiculous. So to me, the new NCAA president needs to come in and quickly get people on his side. And that's the conference commissioners who then take the message to the presidents and the athletic directors and say, look, for the good of the game, we got to do this. Mike Krzyzewski said it two years ago on a podcast. I bring it up all the time. He said, we have no leadership in college athletics as an industry. We have no overarching uh, anybody who's, who's steering the ship in and out of tough waters. There's nobody doing that. Emmert, you know, for all his failings, he did everything he could somewhat of an empty suit. Uh, hopefully I'm not looking for a dictator. I'm looking for somebody who can build consensus and enact common sense legislation that works on college campuses. And I think that's what, what this new person needs to be able to do. Certainly so much has happened with the new rules over the last couple of years or so in kind of an a la carte fashion that it would make for someone to kind of top down the whole thing now and just streamline it. Here's the one thing we know. The money is there. For those of you worried about the players getting the money, it hasn't stopped anything. So it's just a matter of whose pocket it's going into and who's more deserving of it. But let's just know this. The sport's not going to be held back. You know, there's no one not getting money. So it's just a matter of dispersing it in the correct fashion. I do think it's going to be really interesting, though, when you're starting to have those original NIL kind of we hit the lottery vibes are not going to go well after 18 months when the guys you were giving the money to can't play. And then you're going to have issues with who get, who offered me this money and is it legit? And the lack of regulation is going to end up screwing the people at the bottom Trust me, here's who doesn't yep. get screwed when the goes poorly, the people at the top. So uh, the players are going to get well, more and, rotation, and just, that's for sure, until it gets fixed. Go ahead. And one last thought I have is, you know, you look at Cincinnati, he's playing Louisville in this bowl game tomorrow at Fenway Park, and um, they've got four or five guys opting out. And I think if you put a cash – value okay the winner of this bowl game each guy's going to get 25 grand or whatever the loser's going to get 10 or 15 whatever those guys would not only play they'd play with their hair on fire you know what i mean to get that you know the idea that hey i'm going to get a little extra pocket change just for practicing two extra weeks and playing one last game as a college player hell yes put me in i'm ready i go buy a car with that i can go you know do whatever And to me, I, I, I think this is just common sense. This is where it's got to be headed. And I'm not saying, you know, everyone makes 100 grand or 200 grand for doing this or doing that. I'm just saying you got you, there's so much money being made and there's no reason why it can't be shared with the people who are, are putting on the show. And there you have it. Speaking of putting on a show. We just did it. Steve will be, Steve will be at Madison Square Garden this weekend. We wish him a safe I hope to see a show. Yeah, safe travels uh, to the airport and hopefully be able to get to not a, not a particularly long trip, but let's knock air travel these days. Good Lord. Yeah. We appreciate Steve stopping by. We really Dave's coming back on Monday. Have a good one. Bye. 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 Bye.